How do you tell a story? Do you start with the characters? Do you start with the plot? Does the story have to be written down, or could it just be made up as you go along? By a person, or people that, say, don't want to commit themselves too hard to a thing. You know, not necessarily lazy people, but uh, the type of people who don't really sit down and focus on a project like that, which is why making things up is so appealing to them. It's hard to know where stories come from, or where they're going. Certainly, we didn't know where this story was going when we started this. But technically, this story isn't about us. It's about Brian Lind, a 47-year-old bungee jumper and tactical papier-mâché enthusiast that was on his way to a rainforest cafe in Tyson's Corner, Virginia, when he went missing. Over the course of many weeks, we interviewed friends, family, and experts involved with the case to tell the story of what happened to Brian. In that time, we learned something. Something about ourselves. Something about humanity. Something about a story. Um, well, hello. Welcome to... Uh... I guess this is our first uh, podcast recording. Uh, my name is uh, Clark McCarthy, and I'm not sitting here, but I, I, I'm with uh, my partner. Hi, uh, my name is Owen Ingmar. This is our first time getting together to unpack this, uh, what would you call it, journey? Yeah, I think it's more of a journey. I mean, a lot of people say it's like a mystery or a a true crime. I, you know, I'm not, I don't, you know, that's maybe not for us to decide. That's, mm-hmm. that's for, I suppose, historians to decide, but, uh, for us, it's, it's kind of an adventure. It's kind of a journey. Um, well, I mean, just to give you a little backstory on us, we met in college. Um, mm-hmm. we were, uh, we were living on the same floor, not, not the same roommates, but, uh, we're living on the same floor and, uh, right. we just became fast friends. Yeah, uh, see each other a lot in the communal bathroom. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever had so many nice conversations in a communal bathroom before. Yes, yeah, yeah. I believe the first time we sort of had an interaction is I was um, shaving my head in the sink. Mm-hmm. Um, I had contracted lice from my roommate. I was a little embarrassed about it. But uh, you were very friendly and gave me some tips on how to uh, best get around my ears. Mm-hmm. Uh, um. Yes, I had recently shaved my head as well because I was trying to join a fraternity and I thought if I could sort of do the, the hazing part before I got there, they would know that I was very committed to joining the fraternity. Um, they didn't care for that. They they. They wanted to shave my head, as mm-hmm. I later found out. At the time, I thought, yes. "Like I'm being a go-getter. I'm, I'm doing, right. you know, I'm putting myself out there." Um, yes, but yeah, it was it was great just talking shop about shaving heads, and then we both sort of realized that we we have this love of adventures and mysteries and and uh, I don't I don't want to say seedy underbelly of society, but you know the the places that maybe the light doesn't hit, you know? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember visiting you in your dorm room and the things that stood out to me were, 
you had um, the DVD for Jewel of the Nile, the Michael Douglas sort of adventure movie, the, the lesser known of the adventure tales. Then you also had the Encyclopedia of uh, Serial Killers, uh, a book I also owned. Um, and that'll catch your eye if you're in somebody's room. Uh, it's not like uh, the college fight club or infinite jest. They're a little more specific. Yeah, absolutely. I never saw myself as like a prototypical college person. I kind of, you know, even when I was trying to join a fraternity, I, I didn't see myself as, as that guy just because, you know, I was kind of doing it because my friends were doing it and I thought this would be cool to join in. But yeah, my mind is always sort of not going to that place. It's going to what's a little off kilter about this situation. Mm -hmm. And um, sure, I did have, I would say, three years worth of Maxim magazines alongside that book. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm just, I'm reading the articles. It's a little, right. bit, little off kilter. Yeah. So we graduated from college a couple, a number of years ago. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell us where, you're, where you were working at after college? Um, after college, I was a night janitor at um, uh, Finn Industries. They're, uh, they, they, ironically enough, uh, specialize in um, vacuums. They a uh, large building, and at night, uh, they just need a lot of cleaning done. It, you know, you, I, one assumes that a vacuum company would be a clean place, but it's not. So... I chose it because of the hours. Uh, the, the night hours allowed me to uh, spend my days pursuing my real, my real passion, which is, you know, a small time investigative journalism that maybe isn't, doesn't fit the mainstream media or your larger publications. Yeah. I think that's what sort of kept us together after all these years is we, we, both are looking for that sort of mystery. Uh, I, I would say my day job, for those of you who don't really know me, uh, this is Clark McCarthy, and uh, my day job uh, for the last, I would say, seven years was I was a, I'm been a competitive dog walker. That can mean a number of things. That could be the speed of the dog walk. That can be the number of dogs walked at any given time. That could be just trying to get your ratings up on those dog walking apps. And, you know, while I do love being in the upper 15th percentile, and I'm, that's a brag, and I'll say it openly, it wasn't where my heart was. My heart is in a mystery. My heart is in, you know, what's happening in our world that's just not being reported on. Um, I recently saw on uh, an Instagram fact page that only about 64% of murders are ever really solved in this country. Um, Unbelievable. That's unreal. You know, I think talking about that sort of stuff just got us like, what can we do? How can mm -hmm. we help this situation? And it was the competitive dog walking that led, I don't I, I don't know how to say this, but it, it helped you discover your first clue and you reached out to me. And uh, that was the first sort of minor mystery we solved together. You'd found uh, what appeared to be um, a discarded uh, zookeeper's outfit uh, on one of your dog walks. 
I, you know, I, I hate to say the, use the term elated, but I was elated to see that because when you see a zookeeper outfit on a dog walk, immediately your mind goes, how did this get here? What, <laughs> what is going on here? Um, I canceled the rest of my watch for the day. I called you up and I said, hey, bud, come on down here. Mm-hmm. And to your credit, you did. I love that you're, you work a night shift because that kind of frees you up in the day to sort of do the things that need to be done. Well, we looked into the zookeeper outfit and uh, it was according to the patch on the side, it's at Greg or the, the chest, it's at Greg. And it looked like it was a zookeeper outfit from a local zoo was my guess. So we mm-hmm. start calling and trying to find if there's a missing Greg in any of the zoos. Um, a lot of people didn't know what we were talking about, um, mm-hmm. which I found a little suspicious. I don't know if you, if you thought that. Yeah, but. absolutely. I think when people don't know what you're talking about, they've, uh, they've often got something to hide. Yes, absolutely. There, the way people would say, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Please do not mm-hmm. keep calling here. I'm like, I guess what I'm doing, I'm calling back because mm-hmm. you're trying to tell me something isn't happening. I know is happening. Exactly. And my, you know, the, the other nice thing about being a night janitor is you pick up a lot of skills in terms of a clean environment, an environment that's been unkempt. So when you showed me that discarded zookeeper outfit, I went, this hasn't been dry cleaned in weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that if you are a for-profit uh, business, even if it's a zoo, you got to have uniform standards. Yeah. So that led us to wonder, had the outfit been out there for weeks or had it been recently discarded and wasn't dry cleaned because... Greg or whoever was on the run or was the zoo not taking care of their employees? We did track down his ex-wife. His ex-wife, a lovely woman, said that uh, he had left town after being fired for having a drinking problem. So Mm -hmm. we went into his apartment and um, I, I wouldn't say ransacked the place. Would you describe it as ransacking? No, not ransacked it. No, but we did examine something. I would describe it as a thorough investigation. Um, Yes, there was really no stone unturned. Um, What I had learned from watching a lot of television and movies was you can cut open a mattress and usually there's drugs or money in there. So I did cut open a mattress. a lot of times mm-hmm. someone will have like a doll or something and it'll dissolve and it'll turn into cocaine. So I pretty much just anything that looked specifically a way I wasn't sure about, I just threw into the bath, soaked it. I learned specifically from Sicario that bodies are often hidden in the walls. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took to trying to imagine if I were to hide a body in a wall, what wall I would hide it in. Um, I'm either not very good at it or there were no bodies hidden in the walls because all the holes I uh, um, put in the walls with a hammer did not reveal bodies. I'm not saying that there wasn't bodies in those walls, but sometimes it's, you know, sometimes it's hard for me to think like the kind of 
murderer who would murder someone and hide him in a wall. No, you're not a murderer. You're that's uh you're definitely not a murderer. You're not a murderer type. Uh I I personally mm-hmm. keep saying, "Hey, put a bigger hole in that wall." And you just tapped the little tiniest, the sweetest little holes in the wall and then you put your little mm-hmm. telescoping thing in there just to see if you could see around a little bit and uh, I mean, you put a couple hundred yes. in the walls, but they were tiny holes. I, I would have said, go nuts. Slam a, slam a big old hole in there. They were tiny holes. They are tiny holes. Um, but, you know, long story short, um, it turns out Greg had only left town for a few days. Um, mm-hmm. And as we're examining the property, I, I think, well, we were, we were in there for – two days we were just kind of sleeping and eating and and just sort of that became our base of operations cops aren't looking into this yeah they're not looking into it i gotta get into the head of greg so Mm -hmm. i'm wearing his clothes you know i'm talking to his ex-wife trying to patch things up i'm trying to get into the heads the mind space of a greg i'm going to the zoo seeing what i can do taking tickets feeding the animals and everybody was like you don't work here. You're not Greg. I don't love Greg anymore. I don't love, I never loved you. And to me, that's all a runaround. That's people avoiding getting to the issue. Yes. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. That is on them. They are, I, I think maybe deflecting their guilt of, and maybe their fear of what actually happened to Greg. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we are doing that for a while. I, um, I kind of looked into Greg's back, like his, his life story a little bit. And I could see he, he, he was kind of a, he kind of, let's be honest, a little bit of a coward. He didn't follow his dreams. So I started a business in his name. Mm -hmm. Um, like the business I think he would have wanted to run. And so, uh, I'm selling, uh, timeshares out of his apartment. Mm -hmm. You're trying to live the life Greg would have wanted. Yes. And I think this is vital to an investigation. Uh-huh. I bought a car in his name or at least a car in his name. Um, I, let's see. I, I, I basically just like, I, I burned the life I, I think he was living in order to build the life I think he should have wanted to live. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had a failed uh, mayoral campaign under Greg's name. Yes. Um, you assumed what his campaign policies would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Not what I would have done at all. He was very, very, I would say, um, upsettingly libertarian. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, very yeah. upsettingly libertarian. Um, yeah. And, and you, you decide what that means, dear listener. I, I, I'm not yeah. going to tell you. But yes. um, but part of your campaign, uh, I believe, was nine one none. We don't need no cops. No, I mean this is this is the agenda of of socialism. If if we wanted to stop crime, the free market would have stopped it on its own. Mm-hmm. I don't know why we yes. need these socialist cops running around. Or like exactly. he doesn't know that he didn't know that. I know. That. Yeah, great. Yeah, but yeah, he, yeah. So we're posted up. I think it was, I honestly think we might have been there for two months. 
Turns out yeah. this guy comes in one day, furious, confused, like, what happened to my walls? There's whole- lots of accusations. Yeah. Yes. I think he called us names. Definitely the B word was said. And long story short, this guy claims to be Greg. He says he was uh, taking care of his mom who was sick. So he's just out of town temporarily. I, I, I think this story had some holes. Because ha- how did his uh, zookeeper outfit get it? get there you know exactly yeah 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 exactly and you know he claims that they've got plenty of zookeeper outfits at the zoo and he claims that his co-workers in his absence dressed up one of the primates in his zookeeper outfit and uh that the primate must have somehow taken it off at one point and through it and then somehow it gets from the zoo to right outside the zoo yeah that's i mean i don't buy it i i think it's i think it's ludicrous um well long story short he does call the cops and the cops arrest us he gets a restraining order against us you know which is unbelievable because I, I can't believe the cops took his side after his, your campaign against the police community. Yeah, I, I, I think, I mean, I guess ever the, the forgiving hand of socialism, but uh, I think it's very um, stupid on their part because he, yeah. he wasn't on their side. No, and, uh, and I was surprised at Greg's hypocrisy. He's Mm -hmm. all for just disassembling the police force. And then the moment two people start looking into his past, who does he call? The cops. I mean, that's not, and that's why I didn't vote for him for mayor because I could smell that hypocrisy. Oh no, I didn't either. I didn't like what he stood for and I didn't trust him. Yeah. So yeah. uh, Listen, that was about, uh, 18 months ago Mm -hmm. i you know and interestingly enough uh i get i still get the newspaper again i'm a little unusual i still get a a paper newspaper every day Mm -hmm. and i'm looking at this paper and it's talking about this like great change in this guy greg and how you know it's this like article about how his life he thought was ruined but then he ended up getting a like successful business was taken out in his name and he like made it very successful. It was like a failure. And then he ends up reconnecting with his ex-wife over a mutual love of something. I don't, it was yeah. all media BS, but mm-hmm. in that article, I saw a little blurb maybe it's like a paragraph long and it's about a missing person named Brian Lind. Mm-hmm. Uh, a 47-year-old man who is living in Tyson's Quarter, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And his family just kind of took out a little bit of paper space to just, you know, if you, if you knew anything, they wanted to know. Yeah. Have you seen Brian? Have you seen Brian? And I thought to myself, okay, well, this is interesting. And mm-hmm. I, I cut it out and mailed it to you. And I think, what, four days later, you called me up or texted me? Yes. 
about yeah, it? Yeah, I was still on house arrest, uh, so I couldn't actually come see you. My parole officer uh, said, I can leave the house for work. I told him this is work. He said, this is the BS that got you in this in the first place. So I was only able to correspond with you um, through texts, um, text messages. But I said, did you see this detail about Mr. Lind? He was on his way to the Rainforest Cafe. Yes. Um, and that really stood out to me because if there's one thing I know about chain restaurants and the Rainforest Cafe is that it is packed in there and you got to make a reservation and somebody who's going to go to the trouble to make a reservation and then disappears. I mean, that sounds suspicious to me because, uh, and a lot of people don't know this, but the Rainforest Cafe keeps books on people who make reservations and then don't show up. And so I'm thinking this Brian Lynn guy, obviously loves good dining experiences, would not go out of his way to tarnish his good name with the Rainforest Cafe unless something happened, uh, that re- a- an emergency happened, or, uh, you know, he found himself in some hot water. Yeah, I, I agreed with that 100%. I also am under house arrest. Um, <laughs> I think we got pretty much the same punishment uh-huh. from the judge, but we thought, okay, yeah, maybe we're in a bad position, but maybe we should look into this Brian because I've been to a rainforest cafe. We've both been to a rainforest cafe and I will say that's not a place you want to be in bad standing with. No. Because... I I can't tell you how many nights I've had a low night and I boosted up my spirit by going to a rainforest cafe and just, just the ambiance alone. Mm -hmm. I don't care who you are. You're going to enjoy yourself. Yeah. Um, so we looked into it and it looks like, um, I, I, you know, I, I will say the one regret I have about the whole Greg situation was we weren't recording any of it. No. We didn't record a single thing. No. And that's just not a mistake we're going to make twice. Um, No, absolutely not. So this season, we are going to investigate the life of Brian Brian Lind. Um, Yeah. We're going to figure out what happened to him, but we are legally not allowed to leave uh, our homes. No. No. I don't think that would impede our investigation at all, though, I will say. I don't think so. I think we'll be able to, with the use of the internet and, you know, uh, maybe some uh, Rainforest Cafe delivery um, as, like, thanks for clearing their good name, which I imagine we will do. I can't imagine this story spiraling out and that the cause of it, uh, Brian's disappearance, is the Rainforest Cafe. I can't imagine that a restaurant that would send us complimentary meals by delivery uh, would ever find themselves the evildoers in a situation. I could see a fantastic chain restaurant that didn't appreciate its loyal customers and send delivery food to them 
as a token of appreciation, finding themselves in the hot water. But I don't think the Rainforest Cafe is that type of restaurant. No, I, I, I think what more than anything I expect to get out of this is the sort of quality service and delicious food that you get from a Rainforest Cafe. Right. But I, I don't expect um, any, anything seedy to come out after such a, an incredible company. Yes. Who can reach out to us online at any point. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we can't go anywhere. Um, no. Uh, we're, we're here. We're, but we've got our setups. Um, Brian was a bungee jumper and paper mache enthusiast. So we've been doing a little background into that. Yes. I, I think from what we found online of him, it's a lot of Facebook, a little bit of Twitter. I, you know, I think we're really unraveling who he is as a person. Um, I personally never heard of uh, tactical paper mache. I guess there is a community that is big into it. And he was, he was on the forefront of that. So I'm curious who Brian Lind is. And um, yeah, I think we're going to, we're going to meet some, we're going to meet some incredible people. And if I'm not mistaken, you're up to your elbows in experimenting with paper mache at your house, right? Yes. Um, tactical paper mache. Yes. Physically, yes. Because I did not realize how many cuts I would get from paper mache. Um, mm-hmm. It is very difficult to do. It is very painful. And But I, I think I, basically they are training you to build paper mache that would work as a weapon, as a, mm-hmm. as a weapon or some sort of tactical device. So um, I think the end all be all for that community is making like a, say a gun or a rocket launcher out of paper mache that is fully functional. It's kind of an incredible art. Yeah. And I'm over here doing a lot of R and D with regards to bungee jumping. I think we all understand the basic physics of it, but I have um, taken it upon myself to create first some model bungee jumping uh, mm-hmm. within my apartment. Um, I'm, I've been using the collectible He-Man and Thundercat action figures that I have been bungee jumping um, off my bookshelf. Uh, using different kinds of uh, rubber bands, yarn. And so far, all I've come up with that uh, is if it's heavy enough, it will bounce back up. But I've started to ask the question of, could the bungee jump go the other direction? Could you jump up and be pulled back down? Is there any advantage to jumping upwards and being pulled back down as opposed to jumping off and being pulled back up. And I'll say one step further, is there any sort of spring loaded bungee jumping launch uh, that could be combined with tactical paper mache to make some sort of super soldier? And so far the results are inconclusive, but uh, I've got time at home. So I'm going to keep looking into that. I, I'm excited to find out where that goes. Uh, I will say, I don't know if this is something you want to get out yet, but I do know that you purchased a full real bungee jump kit, like all the mm-hmm. cabling and all that stuff. And you have been beta testing by throwing, <laughs> throwing watermelons out of your uh-huh. with the, yes. with the cabling on. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. You can buy a DIY bungee jump kit off the internet. 
it's not FDA approved, but according to the website, to get it approved by the Food and Drug Administration, it has to be a food and or drug, uh, and it is not. And they don't want their patents to be flagged by any sort of government institution. So you can trust that I'm getting the premium quality equipment that is too hot uh, for the streets. So far, it's just been watermelons, but I'm going to work my way up to <clears throat> two watermelons, and then who knows from there. Wow, that's incredible. That's, uh-huh. that's absolutely incredible, yeah. I, this is our first real podcast podcast. Yeah, I, I don't know. Do you have any notes about what you want to hit or... I mean, I basically want to know what this guy's life was like prior to his disappearance. Who he was in close contact with. Did he have a standing reservation at the Rainforest Cafe? Did he go there with people at the Rainforest Cafe? Did he know people by name there? Did he have uh, allegiances there or a way in there to sort of get to hang out at what I can only imagine to be dope Rainforest Cafe employee parties and picnics and what it takes to get to that level. And I am excited to find out how closely related he was to the Rainforest Cafe and how much of that has led to his disappearance if it was a popularity thing regarding having such high status in such a cool place. What about you? One, I think that's incredible. I I, I love everything you said. I, I want to know what is everyone's life like now that he's gone? How is this affecting the community? Because I think that sort of tells you who he is. I do, I would love to obviously get more involved with the Rainforest Cafe thing. Mm -hmm. um, Best pad tie in the world. And I I, I think if you, if you look into a life, I think the, the, the quality of a human's life is, is judged by the, the, like uh, the reflections that other have, uh, in their eyes. I don't know. That's just, I'm, I'm going to workshop that a little. I'll workshop that mm-hmm. um, and I'll get back to you as to what I was intending to say. Well, listen, buddy, I'm really excited to get started on this. I can't wait. Yeah. So I guess, I think that's kind of all we have for this first opening uh, introduction. Uh, join us next week. We will uh, begin the interviewing process. That sounds excellent. I... Look forward to getting to the bottom of this and willing to go as far into the Rainforest Cafe community and culture as it takes and Mm -hmm. finding justice for Brian Lynn. You know, I wouldn't be honest if I didn't say clearing our good names in the defamation suit that's been brought upon us by our previous investigation. Yes, I agree. If we, uh, yeah, real quick, two things, I'm going to 100%. Well, yes, I mean, this isn't why we're doing it, but if we could clear our names, that would be great. It'd be great mm-hmm. if we could clear our names because a lot of the accusations we have uh, have been levied against us have just been completely falsified or exaggerated. And I'd love it if we could be the ones to find and help Brian Lind if he's out there and in trouble. 
Yeah, unless for some reason he is the uh, mastermind or uh, behind something evil. But in we're presuming he's not. Yes, because I think uh, with a lot of good things like this is you should start with sort of where you think it's going to go. Mm-hmm. And then just sort of angle things based on that. And then, you know, if it takes a turn personally, I don't care what turn it takes. If if it turns out aliens got him, that's fine for me. Uh, yeah. Just as long as we solve it. Um, exactly. And preferably within 11 episodes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, okay, great. Uh, great. Well, uh, I know uh, you have to talk to your parole officer, and mm-hmm. um, I also have to talk to my parole officer. <laughs> so. right. Yeah, we both have to go. Yeah. All right. Well, I will uh, talk to you soon, buddy. Okay, sounds good. Coming this season on True Deception. On the record, I'm doing everything I can to find Brian. I've never told anybody this, but I did follow him one time. To me, it's quite clear he did not go missing on his own. Someone abducted him. What kind of appetizer did you get? There's mafia money behind the adult bookstore. You know, when we got divorced, he said, well, if I can't have you, I'm still going to live with you. Did he threaten you with that fire poker a lot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have evidence. Clothes are just uh, covered in, you know, rust stains and fish blood. And My mom was sleeping with Mr. Townsend. Do you suspect that Brian had a small butt? Yeah. Sir, if that's true, I'm about to give up on this entire case. <laughs> Can you guys edit this out? Artwork provided by Amelia Jane Murphy. You can follow her and purchase her work at amil underscore art on Instagram. Music provided by Kai Ingle. Please rate and subscribe on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It really helps the show. You can follow us and contribute at DeceptionPod on Instagram and Twitter.